One thing that we do want to do this evening, this is kind of different, you know, doing something like this, but yeah, those of us who are taking our class on hosting the presence, um, was it our second to the last session? We talked about um, the, the examples in scripture of like the woman who reached out and touched Jesus's robe or the, the corner of his, his cloak. I don't think he's wearing a robe. Whatever he was wearing, she touched his garment and healing power went out of him. He felt it. He stopped. The crowd was all pressing in, and he's like, someone touched me. Stop. Someone touched me. And they're like, people are pressing all over you right now. What do you mean? And he's like, no, I felt power go out of my body. I felt virtue leave my body. And then the woman who had that issue of bleeding for 12 years or however long came forward and confessed, it was, it was me. I'm the one that touched you. And then we have examples of, and then in other places it says that uh, anyone who touched Jesus' garments were healed. And then we have the Apostle Paul. You know, they would take his sweat bands. He, he would work making tents, and then they would take the, the sweat cloths off from him, and they would take them to sick people, and whoever they put the cloth on, it wasn't like a pretty little, you know, anointed with oil, prayed over nicely. It was just, you know, his work. It's like taking my work shirt and cutting the armpit out and here, take this, go lay it on the sick person. They will get up fast. <laughs> yeah. If they weren't really, if they were pretending they were sick. Man. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, and then we, we have the testimony in the book of Acts of Peter's shadow, his shadow, just walking past people. If his shadow touched people, they got healed. So we have all these interesting examples of how the power of God can go into clothing that you wear. It can be released or exuded out of you into your shadow, perhaps. Um, it's just interesting. We don't really know how it works. There's no formula. The Bible just gives us these stories, which means anything's possible with God. So it is traditional or or maybe not traditional but it is it is known or common that people will take prayer cloths and they will they will anoint them they will anoint them with oil like this this oil would we would use this to pray for someone in person and we would you know just put a dab on their forehead on our finger and just and just touch them if if we usually ask are you okay if we you know anoint you with oil and because it's biblical, the Bible says, anoint the sick person with oil and they will be healed. So we just obey what the scripture tells us. So what, I just put a little bit of oil on this and um, what we'd like to do this evening, we'll just leave this out while we worship tonight. And then when we're done, if we could just come together as a, as a small part of our church family tonight and we'll all just, just pray over this, that we'll, we'll just release healing and delivering anointing from the Holy Spirit from each one of us to this cloth and I, I would like to be able to give it to Ed to take to Rachel and she could I don't know are you going to have a chance to see her before she actually you can send it well you, you gave us her address so maybe we could just mail it then we'll find a, a card hey the card lady do you do prophetic cards, prophetic art? You should that do it. That would be cool. Would you do it? That would be awesome. And I chose this because it reminded me of spring, and spring.
brings a new season. And yeah. so I thought of that. So and then you guys will get to put in practice what what we learned. learned in class. So it'll be really fun to do that. Awesome. So Hopefully the oil that I just put on there it'll dry. And if it doesn't, it's okay. She'll That's right. Send. I'll just put a big happy face and oil <laughs> there on there. <laughs> okay, so we've got a couple announcements, and then we'll jump in and worship. I think we'll we'll just because we're a smaller gang tonight, we don't need to go long, um, unless you guys feel like you want to go long. But I know it's hot-ish in here, and I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm happy to preach, I'm happy to do it. But if you guys are like, you know, let's just let's just worship and pray together. We'll, we'll see. We'll just see what God wants, what, what the Spirit moves us to do tonight. Are you guys okay back there? It's cooler if you come forward yeah. one level. Yeah, if you come to the end here, it's cooler. Or over there. But if you're okay, that's fine. That's fine. But we've tested every row, <laughs> and the, the fans yeah, kind of hit the first and second rows, but the third row, it's... Okay, so coming up on September 8th, we are going to begin a new course eight-week course on the basic training for the prophetic ministry and we'll be doing the same evening this uh, Wednesday nights it'll be the same time frame we'll open the doors at 630 and by 645 we'll we'll get cranking into some worship and it's kind of the same format as our last class we have we'll have a time of worship a short time of worship about a 20-minute video teaching and then we go through the instructions together with activation now there's kind of a, a purpose behind the order of how we're doing these classes. We did hosting the presence first because we really want to massage into our church and get everyone kind of on the same page regarding understanding how the Holy Spirit not only lives inside of us, but wants to how he wants to fill us and he wants to rest and come upon us. And so without going into preaching that whole message, um, that curriculum taught us that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The day you say, Jesus, would you come into my life, be the Lord of my life, he comes to live inside of you. He, by his spirit, he joins your spirit because of your faith in Christ. Holy Spirit comes in and unites himself with your spirit, and you become one new spirit with the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's a miracle. It's biblical, the Bible says, that, that you become one spirit with the Holy Spirit. doesn't mean you become God. It just means that your spirit is now intertwined with the Holy Spirit, and your spirit that was once dead towards God becomes alive in Christ, and you become a new creature, a new creation in Christ. So that's the awesome thing is you get this resurrection life now living inside of you. It's the actual presence of God, and... It's more than just getting you to heaven. It's more than just you know making sure you know I got the spirit in me, so now I know when I die, I'll be I'll be whisked away up into heaven by the angels or with the presence of God or however that's going to work. Um, it's not just getting you to heaven, guaranteeing that. It's also the Holy Spirit in you empowers you for ministry. So the traditional church model is the preacher does the ministry. You know, you go to you go to Bible college to become a minister. But the biblical pattern is all Christians are part of the priesthood. Oh, my gosh. She's resurrected. Speaking of resurrection life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
we're just doing a little preach before the preach, uh, preach before the worship. That, and that might be how we do this evening. So somebody else is coming in too. We'll just kind of give it a moment. Hey, it's, it's the family of Tao, the offspring of Tao. Oh, well, hang on, I'll, I'll get to that. I mean, let, but let's, let's keep the preach going here. So, yeah, I think it, there's a breeze coming in, so we've left it open tonight. Just so you know, for you that just walked in, this should be the last Sunday of no air conditioning. I think, I think we will have AC. I meet with the guy on Monday. So anyway, we're just talking about our, our purpose behind the classes that we've been doing on Wednesday night. So this is the next course coming in September. So as I was saying, the first course was about hosting the presence. You and I have been given the Holy Spirit inside of us to guarantee your inheritance of heaven someday. But not only is he in you for your sake to get you to heaven one day, he's in you for empowering you for ministry. And I was saying that the, the traditional pattern is, well, Bible pastors uh, or uh, guys that go to Bible college and girls, you know, or they got training, they're the ministers. And the rest of us, we're just, we're just the saints, you know. They do the ministry and we just pay them to do the ministry, something weird like that. But the biblical pattern is all of us as Christians have been called as ministers of Christ. The Bible says that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people, a chosen people, peculiar people, yes, strangers on the earth. So you have been, you have been anointed by God, by the Holy Spirit, to be a minister of the gospel. So that everywhere you go, you have a testimony of how Jesus saved you, how he came into your life, what he's doing in your life. And you, you don't have to have years of training to go out and tell people that, you know, God loves you. I found out he loves me and I gave him my life. Do you want to give him your life? You know, it's just going to be simple like that. Um, so, so the Holy Spirit's in you for that purpose. But he also comes upon you. And that was our course that we did on hosting the presence. So, the, so I'll step back from getting into the, the details of what that course was all about. But the purpose of that course was to equip and kind of get us all on the same page of understanding of how the Spirit of God is in us and he rests upon us and wants to be released from our lives to touch other people, to basically land on other people. So we talk about that quite a bit. I won't go into any specific um, details in that, but then the next course we thought would be fitting would be the basic training in the prophetic, because not only do we need to know how the Holy Spirit lives in us and comes upon us, but we also want to gain an understanding of how he speaks to us. See, the Holy Spirit, opens up our spiritual ears and he actually communicates to us the heart of God. He speaks to us the words of the Father, what is on the Father's heart for people, for you. And so we wanna, we wanna be a church that knows how to hear the voice of God for ourselves and for other people and how to, how to have a proper etiquette of sharing the things for other people that you hear. So you don't hear from God and then tell people, God told me that you're supposed to go to Africa and be a missionary. Well, that would be a directive, very strong prophetic word. And they may not, they may not feel that that's for them, but they might feel that because you said it, 
it could cause some confusion and they might start questioning, well, maybe, maybe I am supposed to go to Africa. I don't know, it's not in my heart, but you know, it was a prophetic word. Am I not supposed to take a prophetic word and, and value that? So the prophetic training will help us to navigate how to hear the voice of God, how to receive prophetic words, how to flush prophetic words, and that is a big, strong point of emphasis is flushing prophetic words because not everything is edifying. Not everything is beneficial and strengthening. Some of it needs to be flushed because we prophesy in part and we know in part. This would be the perfect course for even teenagers. Our kids already went through it a um, couple, like three, four years ago when we did it in our home. So it's perfect for kids to go through as well. You get refresher too if any yeah. of you young people want to. Yes, you, Ethan, if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God more clearly. So it'll start the first, it's actually the second Wednesday of September. The first Wednesday is the holiday week right before um, Labor Day. Memorial Day. I always get the two mixed. Labor Day. And yeah, school starting and all that. So there is a man. This is the pricing from Bethel's bookstore. Obviously, a lot of you are, are very talented with the interwebs and you know how to get on to Amazon or, or eBay or whatever, Christian bookstore. But the main thing you would want is the manual and the study guide. The study guide is basically the book and the manual is the bigger book with all the places you can write stuff down. Or if you are a techie person and you don't like to read actual paper books, you can buy the ebook instead of the study guide for 14 bucks. You could probably even get it cheaper, I don't know. I just threw the pricing up there and uh, that gives you an idea that it, it'll cost a little bit, but you could probably find a good deal online. Um, we don't charge anything to do the class, obviously, you guys know. We just want people to, if you can afford to buy your books, then to get your books and, 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 and if you can't afford it, you know, then just talk to us and we can, we don't want anyone to ever miss out on a class because of finances. If you really are hungry for it, we want to make sure you get to be involved. So that's that. So the first course was hosting the presence, learning about the presence of God in you. Second course, basic training in the prophetic. I believe that we're leaning strongly towards the third course being uh, training how to, how to pray for healing for the sick. And that would be in January. We'll take a break around Thanksgiving and Christmas time and then resume a course. It's too hard to do a weekly course right around Thanksgiving and Christmas season. So everyone's just, yes, ma'am. The seven mountain mandate, yes. <laughs> well, we need to go, Tammy and I need to dig a little bit deeper into the curriculum that we personally got our hands on because as we went into it, it, it it's kind of, it's different. And it's very in-depth, like it's not an easy course, like it's very, it's going to take a long time. So we need to check out like maybe that small mouse and see if that would be more fitting. Yeah, it wasn't designed to be done through like an eight-week yeah. quarterly course. Realize, so. <clears throat> but we could talk about talk about that more if you have questions. I'm sure you probably already know a lot about that. I'm guessing, 
a little bit. Um, it's something that we want to learn more about because we, we believe, so just so you know what we're talking about, some of you are like, well, seven mountain mandate. Years ago, there was a prophetic word given to, I believe, the, one of the people from YWAM, which is Youth, Youth with a Mission, YWAM. And it's a big international uh, mission training school, and they, they go all over the world. And the prophetic word was that God wanted to send his church into the seven mountains of influence of society. And so they, they this came to this person, I believe, like in a vision. But the seven mountains, you could call it seven spheres, seven areas of life that we all know. Number one area of life would be the church. Uh, number two would be the family. Your fam- you know, just the, the whole subject of family. Um, yeah, I'm, I got to resist trying to describe these. So church or religion, family, education, so like teachers, people in the education system, uh, arts and entertainment, uh, media, like news, um, whatever, radio, government, and there's one other that I'm always forgetting, business or economy, economics. So those are the main powerhouses of society. Those are the the main um, spheres in our world that really make the world happen. Like you don't have to be involved in any, in most of those to still have a successful, productive life. But many people are called to these different mountains and they don't realize it. They think that, uh, many people think that ministry is just to be done in the church. That, well, you know, if you want to be called to the ministry, then you go to Bible college and you, you become a pastor, you, you know, join a church, become on staff, and then you minister to people. But we have actually, like I said before, we have all been considered or called actually to be ministers of the gospel. We are a priesthood of all believers. With that mindset, knowing that we are all part of the priesthood, it's important that we know what our sphere is. What, where, if I'm a priest and I'm not a, a church pastor, well then, where do I minister? So if your ministry, if your main calling, Ed, is, is your workplace doing concrete work and communicating with business people, going to these conventions and, and connecting with folks, um, whatever you call that, just networking, I guess, that would probably be your, your mountain of influence. You're an influencer in the business world, so you as a, as a believer carry the anointing of God and the wisdom of God, knowing his voice and his heartbeat for business, that, that business would thrive and be productive and that God would, would release blessing on it and increase. That would be how you would wanna discover how God would use you to, to uh, be an influence on your mountain if your mountain is education like my sister and I'll just stop with education after that because we could waste a lot of time trying to go into each one but education now you don't have to be a teacher you could be uh, lots of examples you could be a counselor in the school system you could just be a student in the school system that might be your main area of influence if you go to public school or college no matter which part of that circle that you are a part of, whether you're an instructor or someone who's just receiving instruction or something in the middle of all of that, or you just have a, a heart to pray into it. 
God has given you a heart to, to intercede and pray for education in our nation, that, that the godly influence of Christians would come back in and we would do away with critical race theory and we would do away with, with all of the garbage that's being infiltrated, Marxism and communism. I mean, my sister could tell you, she screenshotted some of the stuff that she had to go through last week and it was all about racial bias and all that stuff. It was just crazy. It's just really being pushed. But she's an influencer and she has, has the, the anointing of God on her life to influence that sphere, that mountain. So she's on the mountain of education. You're on the mountain of business. God has called us primarily to the mountain of, of religion or, or uh, faith or Christianity. Um, you know, people usually call it religion, but it just sounds weird to me to call it that. The, the mountain of church. But one of our other mountains that we feel strongly called to is the mountain of family. We have a passion to see families, the family unit, healthy and healed and whole, walking in all that God has for it. Strong, healthy families. So you guys, you get the point? You got all those seven mountains. <clears throat> I have a passion for government. I was told that I obsess sometimes, <laughs> but, you know, it was, it was said in love, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I guess we're moving on. We are moving on. All right. So Thursday evenings, we meet at 7 o'clock for worship, prayer, and intercession. And we not only pray for the church, but we pray for our city, our local government, our nation, government there, so in schools and all that. So the mountains, we pray for the mountains. So if you'd like to join us, you're more than welcome to. And Sundays at 5.15, we pray for our Sunday night. We have about a half hour. We try to set aside 5.15 to 5.45 to do a little pre-gathering prayer. Pray for the evening. and Yeah, pray for our our service. Yeah, all right. And everyone keeps asking this, so you guys know, you've been here long enough, we don't usually put a big emphasis and spotlight on offering time. And I've had several people ask me, where do we put offerings and stuff? So ways to give. We'll just put that out here. Yes. There's we, a box. Oh, sorry. Over there at is the box, the offering box, and then online, and or you can go to our website, and there's a donate button there or PayPal. So. Yeah. And you guys, we obviously, we are very grateful for everyone's generosity. Um, yeah. You all help keep the lights on in the building the available. That's awesome. That we're hopefully going to have next week. So. Yes. So, with that said, we're going to read a couple of scriptures. Oh, sorry. Scott? Yes, ma'am. No. Okay. I'll let you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. I believe discerning spirits, yes. yes. He covers false prophets, prophetic etiquette, yeah, all of that stuff. So discernment, how to activate your senses to hear God, because we all know God's number one language is not English. It's not Spanglish. It's he, he will speak to you through all kinds of ways. Through, through, he will speak to you through pictures, through scent, all of your senses. He will speak to you through touch. So with that, we're going to read a couple of scriptures because it kind of actually fits with that. 
since you and I are the vessels that God has chosen to save, to redeem from destruction, he saved me from hell, I'll speak for myself, I was on the highway to hell, I used to sing that song, I was on that road, I was going 100 miles an hour, and he, re he redeemed me, he saved me, he rescued me, he rescued you. He saved our lives from the pit for a purpose, that you and I would be vessels of his presence, that we would, we would understand how we carry him, that we have a relationship of intimacy with the Holy Spirit now, now that he lives with us and in us. And, well, let's just look at the word of God. Hebrews chapter 9. But now, the anointed one, speaking of Jesus, has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. For he serves in a greater, more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not a part of this creation. I'm going to pause there for a second. I know that I was making you think we were going to talk about you being a vessel of the Spirit of God. But this is important. When Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthly temple I don't know how many of you know the details of that temple. We don't need to go into that right now. But in that temple, there was two compartments, the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place. And between the Holy Place and the Holy of Holies was this really thick curtain made out of woven uh, yarn that was dyed scarlet red, and it had golden uh, seraphs and cherubim and stuff woven into the material. I believe it was like, I used to say three feet thick. I know one of my, my Bible tells you how thick it is. It's in cubits, I think. But the day that Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, the Bible tells us that the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom as if the hands of God just went, just ripped that thing right in half. And the barrier before it was torn in two was that the holy place was where all of the daily priestly activities happened, the Holy of Holies was where the Ark of the Covenant was kept that had the, gold, the, the stone tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on that God himself inscribed the Ten Commandments and gave them to Moses. They had the stone tablets and they kept it in that golden box. Most of you have watched Raiders of the Lost Ark. You know what it looks like. It's probably a pretty close uh, depiction of it. But the presence of God the Bible tells us, dwelt or rested on the top of that box, on the ark. And the, the, the lid on that box was called the mercy seat. So it was like a throne in a sense. And it was behind the curtain. And we know from reading the Bible, from our class, we talked about it. You were not allowed just to go in there and touch that thing or you could die. In fact, only once a year was a high priest chosen to go in to in through the curtain so they they had a cross from the holy place into the holy of holies with the blood of the sacrificial lamb that was sacrificed yearly the passover lamb they would the priest would have the blood and he would sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat on the top of the ark for his sins and for the sins of the whole nation that he was standing before god representing and it was not to take away sin because the blood of lambs and the blood of goats will never take away sin. It was to postpone the penalty of sin. 
until Jesus came. But backing up to the priest, he would go in, he would actually have little bells around the bottom of his priestly robe, and they would tie a rope to his foot, and he would go in there with the incense uh, sensor, and he would create this cloud of incense. So you can imagine the worship going on as he's doing this, and the, just the trembling, the respect, the reverence, the awe of God's presence. Going in with that cloud of smoke, and reaching in with his blood dipped in the, his finger dipped in the blood of that freshly sacrificed lamb, reaching through that cloud of smoke, that glory cloud, into the presence of God and dropping some of that blood on the seat. If God decided that that person did it in an un, I don't know, un whatever way, an unholy way or a way that was not respecting the way God instructed them to come in, he possibly could be struck dead. And that's why the bells, if they stopped twinkling, uh, tinkling, they would pull the, maybe, maybe they'd give it a little tug first and then they would tug back. No, I'm okay. I don't know. I mean, you let your mind go wild with that one. But if he did die, they would pull him out. But that blood was presented before the presence of God yearly during Passover. So every time you look at the calendar and the Jews are celebrating Passover and the Christians are celebrating uh, Good Friday, you know, the day that Jesus died on the cross and Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, we are remembering what Jesus did as Christians to fulfill that Old Testament ritual, that Old Testament yearly ceremony of Passover. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And not only is he our lamb, he, he is so many parts of, of when you read the book of Hebrews, it'll describe to you how the different things inside of the temple were pictures of who Jesus is. There was this giant candelabra. You guys know what the Jewish candelabras look like? It's got the seven things. Well, there, there were... As there was a large one in the temple that the priests were to keep lit and the wicks trimmed every day. Jesus is the light of the world. So he was depicted in that. There was a table of bread that would always be prepared with fresh bread. Jesus is the bread of life. There was a big wash basin where they would ritually wash their hands and, and do these ritual cleansings. Jesus is the, is the giver of the living water. He is the water of life. There's just so many different things in the temple that Jesus is. He, Jesus, being God in the flesh, he tabernacled among, amongst us, the Bible says. He, he was like the temple of God in, in human flesh. So that comes to us. But before it comes to us, this is going to be the preach, by the way, so we're not going to do a preach. And that's why I'm taking the liberty to go a little long, and then you guys can just soak and worship tonight. And we'll pray over this too. So Jesus, yes, he was not only all of those things. He, he is, he was and still is our, your, yours and my great high priest. He is my priest. I am a priest in his order. I, I belong to Jesus, so I am part of his priesthood. But he is my high priest. And I am a priest. He is, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the great high priest of the priesthood of all Christians. So as our high priest, it says that he not only went in, I'll just back up. The anointed one has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. 
For he serves in a greater, more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not part of this creation. In other words, there is a temple in the heavenly realm that the earthly one was like a, 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 I don't know, an example of that you probably can't even imagine what what the temple, what this holy of holies in heaven even looks like or or yeah what it is like at all but Jesus not only did he die on the cross and the temple veil was torn here on earth it says that he went into the tabernacle not made by men that is to say not a part of this creation and he has entered once and forever into the holiest sanctuary of all not with the blood of animal sacrifices but with the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone has made our salvation secure forever. It is finished. It is done. The blood of Jesus was the final sacrifice. There will never be a need for an animal to be sacrificed and its blood to be sprinkled on the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies if they were to recreate it and rebuild it. And believe me, the Jewish people have everything needed to take over the Temple Mount and establish a temple very quickly. There is a number of, of religious Jews that are waiting for the day where they get to reestablish their temple on that mount. But currently the Temple Mount has the Dome of the Rock or the, the, the Islamic Mosque right on that Temple Mount. And that needs to come down before they could do it. All they have right now is the wall, the, the foundation wall, where they, they go in front of it and they pray every day. And you see pictures of the, the priests, the rabbis, and they're tucking little written prayer requests in the cracks of the wall, and they're just praying, waiting for that day, waiting for Messiah to come. They don't know he's already come. The next scripture says, This is still part of Hebrews chapter 9. Under the old covenant, the blood of bulls, goats, and the ashes of a heifer were sprinkled on those who were defiled and effectively cleansed them outwardly from their ceremonial impurities. Just an outward cleansing. Not a permanent one, just outwardly. Yet how much more will the sacred blood of the Messiah thoroughly cleanse our consciences? Now, this is important, guys and gals. The blood of Jesus cleanses our consciences. How many of us know that as we walk this Christian life, things come our way, whether we bring it our way or whether the world throws it in front of us on a Netflix show or whatever, it's on a billboard. Stuff comes at us or we, we voluntarily subject ourselves to things that almost in a sense contaminate who we are they they get on it's just funk we get a funk on us and we need to be cleansed we need regular cleansing you know the blood of Jesus was a once and for all sacrifice for you and me declaring you perfect and righteous and holy in the eyes of God but on the journey we need we need our consciences cleansed we need ourselves to be just refreshed and washed and brought into realignment with the Lord So the sacred blood of Messiah, Jesus, thoroughly cleanses our consciences. For by the power of the eternal spirit, he has offered himself to God as the perfect sacrifice that now frees or purifies us from our dead works or what we did when we were corpses. 
Those were the footnotes from the Passion Translation. Before Christ, you're like a walking dead. You're a, you're a walking corpse. But now that you have Jesus living in you, you are alive. So the blood of Jesus frees you from your dead works to worship and serve the living God. So as I, I picked these scriptures out because I wanted to prepare us for worship tonight. I wanted us to all be able to freely come into the presence of God without having anything on your conscience without having anything, any stumbling block, any hurdle that is in the way, anything that has come into your path this last week or the last time you were able to worship God between then and now, I don't want anything to hinder any of us. So it's important that we remind ourselves that the blood of Jesus is the answer, that the blood of Jesus is the way into the most holy place. The blood of the Lamb is what cleanses our consciences from dead works, from from what does it say? What we did when we were corpses. So that you can worship and serve him. We just need to be freed up regularly so that we can worship and serve. It's an ongoing process. And this is the final scripture, and then we're going to worship, guys. First, that's not the, the correct uh, scripture reference, so ignore that part. This is actually from, oh no, it is the correct one. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20. Have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. So just take a second here, guys. Just put your hand on yourself somewhere, your heart. If you want to mess up your hair, stick it on top of your head. And just say to yourself before God, I don't belong to myself anymore. I belong to you, King Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So you do not belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, he lives inside your sanctuary. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm doing my own version here. You were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then, use your body to bring glory to God. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you. He lives in the holy of holies inside of you. And it's his desire that as you worship him tonight, that you, would, you, would be, you and I would come into his presence with freedom, with nothing holding us back, with full liberty to just go right before his throne, to receive from him anything that you need, to receive mercy, to receive grace in your time of need, to, to get refreshing, to be healed, just to be strengthened in your, in your body and in your heart and in your mind. Everything we need, he has. Jesus is the answer. So why don't we stand, and Tammy's going to pray us into the presence of God, and we'll worship together. Yes, Father, we just lay everything down before you tonight. God, all the things that we've wrestled with or, or that have gotten on us or even tried getting on us, God, we just lay those at your feet tonight. God, we just want to be in your presence. God, we want you to work from the inside out on us, Father God. God, we just abandon ourselves to you tonight. God, we worship you with everything in us, Father. God, we just praise you. God, we thank you that we get to worship you. God, we thank you that we get to be in your presence. 
Just consume us tonight, Father. Jesus, we began this evening by remembering what you've done for us, our magnificent great high priest, that you went into the most holy place with your own blood, with your precious blood to make atonement for each one of us. Thank you, Jesus. We are forever indebted to you. We owe you our lives, God. And we just give you all that we are. We surrender. Thank you, Lord. God, we're just, as we wind down this evening, Lord, we're just hungry for your presence. We want to be marked by you, God. We want to be marked by your spirit. Just stay in that position, guys, of just receiving. If you want to put your hands out, you can do that. Or just, just... Be still before the Lord. I'm going to read something. This was in 1821. Charles Finney. This is what he said happened to him. So just, just kind of with your eyes closed, just, just go there for a minute and just imagine what this was like. There was no fire, no light in the room. Nevertheless, it appeared to me as if it were perfectly light. As I went in and shut the door after me, it seemed as if I met the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. It did not occur to me then, nor did it for some time afterward, that it was wholly a mental state. On the contrary, it seemed to me that I saw him as I would see another, any other man. He said nothing, but looked at me in such a manner as to break me right down at his feet. I fell down at his feet and poured out my soul to him. I wept aloud like a child and made such confessions as I could with my choked utterance. It seemed to me that I bathed his feet with my tears, and yet I had no distinct impression that I touched him that I recollect. As I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without any recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, my body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings. No words can express the wonderful love that was shed abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. I do not know, but I should say I literally bellowed out the unutterable gushes of my heart. 
these waves came over me and over me and over me, one after the other, until I recollect I cried out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I cannot bear any more, yet I have no fear of death. How long I continued in this state with this baptism continually to roll over and go through me, I do not know. But I know it was late in the evening when a member of my choir came into my office to see me. He found me in this state of loud weeping and said to me, Mr. Finney, what ails you? I could make him no answer for some time. He then said, are you in pain? I gathered myself up as best I could and replied, no, but so happy that I cannot live. (laughs) Guys, when we strip this all down, it's just you and Jesus. This is just about you and him. Nothing else matters. Doesn't matter what happens in this place. Doesn't matter what happens in other churches. What really matters is is what happens between you and him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to be filled and baptized with his love and his power. You know, we're living in a day right now, in a time where there's so much bizarre stuff going on in the world around us. Many people think that we are actually in the very last days, like the mark of the beast is just around the corner. It could be a long ways off, but some people think that, no, this is ramping up, this is looking really, really scary. Different parts of the world, they're forcing people to receive the, the jab. They're making people do it. South Africa, I'm not going to go long into this. Sydney, not South Africa, Sydney, Australia. They've sent the military into the city, into the neighborhoods, to force people to get the shot. And this is just the beginning. They're requiring in, in European nations uh, vaccine passports. And I've heard people say that without the passport, you cannot go to the gym or you cannot go into certain establishments. So this is just the beginning of probably some wild days ahead, but this is not a day and a time and an age where you and I need to be afraid. This is the time for the church to rise up and we need to stand up and rise up in a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like in your quiet place, in the secret place that you have with the Lord, go after his presence. Go after intimacy with him. Pour out everything that you have inside of you and and ask him if there's anything, anything, anything between you and me. I want to get rid of it. Help me to let it go. Help me to get rid of it, to lay it all out because I want to go after you more than anything else. Jesus is the hope of the world. He's the hope, and he is, he is all we need, and he is everything we need.
So no matter what happens in the days ahead, we need Jesus. We need intimacy with him as a church, but as individuals. So I exhort you this evening as, as the pastor of Legacy City Church, go after Jesus, run hard after Jesus. Get filled with his spirit. I can't do it for you. Nobody can do it for you. Only you can run after him and get filled with his presence and receive from him all that he has for you. It's between you and him. Yeah, God does things in wonderful, mysterious ways in corporate gatherings like this. People will come into a place and begin to lay hands on people and they'll just start dropping like flies all over the floor, shaking, laughing, crying. That's great. That's wonderful when that happens. But that is not the way, the only way it happens. I got my baptism in the spirit when I was by myself in my living room as a young Christian worshiping Jesus, reading my Bible. I just began to cry out to him, singing from the depths of my heart a song that was resonating with me at the time. And the Holy Spirit showed up in a powerful way in my living room, made himself so real to me that it it changed me forever. That is why the stage that's set in this, the table that is set in this place is a lot like my personal experience because that's, that's my DNA. That's Tammy's DNA. We are worshipers. We love to worship our king and get lost in worship and invite his presence to come because he does, the word of God says, he is enthroned on the praises of his people. And when we worship him, his presence comes. If you want to know him or worship him on your own, worship him by yourself. Let your voice loose. If you're afraid to, to make it loud in, in this place, then practice at home. Get in the shower. Sing as loud as you can. Just want to encourage you guys with that. So we're going to wrap this up with, I'd like to pray over this cloth. But I, I did have a six, I feel like this, this word, so, you know, Chris Vallotton, he's the one who's, who teaches the prophetic course that we're going to go through next month, whoever joins us in that. Chris Vallotton gave a prophetic word today um, at Bethel Church for their body, but also for those of us that are, that are connected to them in various ways, whether you're a person that doesn't have a church and you just stream Bethel from your home, or if you're a, a church like us that doesn't have an official you know, like in writing connection, but that's, we just call Bethel Church our stream. Um, this word is for the body of Christ, and, and I believe it's for us. So I'm going to pray, uh, play it, and we can pray it. We can join in. This isn't just a spectator thing where we, where we watch another video clip. This is actually, there's some, there's some power on the words that he's going to release and so I want to encourage us to receive it. And there is a, a moment in this time where he asks everyone to just put a hand on the shoulder of the person next to you. So, you know, we might want to squeeze in a little bit you know, for this six-minute video if, or, or just be close enough to at least one person. There you go. Tammy's got it. Ethan, you're going to have to lay hands on Tao. She's like, I'm not going, going through this without getting some blessing in return. So I'm just going to play it, and just let's just position ourselves. I, I, I feel that this is an a actual 
um, vital word for us that we can receive for ourselves? I'll go sit next to Ed when the time comes. <laughs> okay, here we go. We're just going to play it, and then we're going to pray and wrap up the evening. Just lift our hands for a moment and just honoring the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Enter your gates with thanksgiving. Lord, we're so thankful for you. So thankful for you, God, your works in our life. going to take some time and pray for each other in just a moment. I want to tell you a story. I was in D.C. at the prayer breakfast. This is about, I think it was originally about six years ago, and uh, we were staying at this, uh, at this ministry house, and I was to minister to a few people there. I'd never been to the house before, and uh, so I was kind of waiting in this, in this uh, side room for one of my first victims, and uh, I looked out into the front room and there was uh, about five people standing there talking and one, uh, two of them were, they looked like Africans from Africa. Uh, and so I, as I stared at them, I felt the Lord gave me a word for them. So I asked the lady who was uh, taking care of me, hey, could I give those folks a word? She's like, I don't know what a word is, but probably. So, so we went out and I got permission to speak to them. And I said, I don't, I don't know who you are, but the Lord said to tell you that you're the safest man in the world. And, and as soon as I said that, the lady sitting, uh, standing next to him, which became, you know, was his wife, I didn't know at the time, she said, do you know who my husband is? And I said, no. And I said, but he's the safest man in the world. I saw him in a purple bubble, and that bubble's impervious to all kinds of weapons, even biological weapons, bombs, bullets. Like, he's the safest man in the world. And she said, my husband's the president, and she told me of an African nation. And he's had five assassination attempts on his life in the last three years, and I haven't slept in three years. I said, well, lady, you can sleep fine. He's the safest man in the world. And we both, we all kind of laughed, and I prayed over him. Anyway, a year passed, so the next year I go back to, the, to D.C. To, for the prayer breakfast, and I'm in the restroom at the prayer breakfast, and this man walks in the, the bathroom, and he... He looks at me and he says, oh, Pastor Chris. And I said, oh, you're the safest man in the world. He said, did you hear what happened to me? I said, no. He said, I was in, a, in my country and I was in a cafe and I had my, my, my whole staff in the cafe were having a, a staff meeting there. And my phone rang and I couldn't get reception inside the cafe. So I, I went outside and as soon as I stepped out the door, the entire cafe blew up and killed everybody in it. And he said, and the glass blew around me and a voice said, you're the safest man in the world. <laughs> Fast forward, I end up there two years, uh, two years later, I'm sitting at a round table. There's 3,700 of us sitting at round table, so you don't necessarily know who you're there with. And so we're having lunch at the prayer breakfast. And this, when I sit down, the lady, this lady says, oh, Pastor Chris, you remember me? I said. I'm sorry, I don't. She said, my husband's the safest man in the world. And I said, oh yeah. She said, can you take that prophetic word back? I said, oh, you having marriage problems? 
She said, no, did you hear what happened? I said, oh yeah, your husband told me he got in the cafe. And she says, oh no, no, no. He's been blown up five times in the last three years. I guess it was the third year. And she said, and uh, he walks away, the only one alive. And the last time they blew up an entire hotel and he was on the top floor, plate glass window fell down on top of him, protected him, and he was the only one who walked out alive. I said, really? She said, yeah, I want you to take the prophetic word back though. I said, why? She said, because he doesn't think he can be killed. So now he goes to the most dangerous places and she said, now I don't sleep at night. I said, remember, he's the safest man in the world. So I want us to stand and pray because this morning, sorry, this morning I saw that purple bubble over us. And what I prayed over him, I felt like uh, was actually a corporate word for us. People watching on Bethel TV or YouTube that are with us. And I, I wanna just read you a, a couple of passages out of Isaiah 54. All your sons and daughters will be taught of the Lord and your well-being of your sons and daughters will be great. In righteousness you will be established. Get this, you will be far from oppression for you will not fear and from terror for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assaults you, it won't be from me and whoever assails you will fall because of you. No weapon that's formed against you, come on, will prosper. Every tongue, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and every talk, every tongue that accuses you in judgment will be condemned. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. This is just a good word. Would you just put your hand on the shoulder of the person next to you? I'm, I'm proclaiming uh, this is uh, every biological agent, bullets, come on, bombs, viruses, pestilence. I just pray right now, I just release this prophetic declaration over you in Jesus' name that no weapon, no weapon that's formed against you, y'all, you all at home, you all watching from your cars even, will prosper. I want you just to say that over the person next to you. No weapon that's formed against you will prosper. The Lord has put you in a purple bubble. You are safe. You are prosperous in Jesus' name. Okay, we're gonna officially just end with that. <laughs> did, did you receive it? All right, just say it, I receive it. Yeah, I receive it, okay. We're just gonna put on quiet music here and. Uh... Yeah, I'm just curious, just out of curiosity and thinking in the future, how many people have not been baptized in here? Water baptized. Water, water baptized. My children all should be raising their hands. <laughs> You. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, and everyone else. Okay, awesome. All right, that's good to know. We're going to do that sometime soon. We're not going to wait. <laughs> I was telling Tammy that it would be kind of cool to, to aim towards Easter because Easter is such a powerful Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. 
I don't know, it's special. That's when I was baptized, it was Easter Sunday. But, you know, things could come together quicker. And But we, we want to buy, we want to get our hands on a, a baptismal, not one of those cold steel cattle trough things <laughs> that that's really cold, you know, there's no way to make the water warm. We want to get one of those, like, little uh, hot tub style ones. Yeah, it's like the like the Coleman. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Well, so that that's what we'll be we'll be looking into in the days ahead. So, so if you want to be baptized, water baptized, and we want it to be a special time where, where because there's others, there's many others that are a part of this family that aren't here today that I know probably will want to be baptized too. And in the thought of baptizing, I knew there were people here that haven't been, and I just felt like the Lord told me that it's supposed to be a time of celebration, so it's like, it's supposed to be like a party, so it will, don't be surprised when it's like a party in here, so. (laughs) It's like a funeral and a party at the same time. I've baptized people before in previous, our previous church, and it's a water grave. It represents being buried with Christ in his death. And, come, and you come up out of the water with new resurrection life in Jesus. So, awesome. Well, oh my gosh, yeah. 